<laughs> All right, follow me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to teach them, saying, I'm going to pause there. Okay? So this is where we're at. Jesus sat down, or he saw the crowds. He went up on a mountain. Is that what it says? The mountain. That's important. Every other time Matthew refers to a mountain, he says a mountain, except this time. It's weird. I want to show you something. Exodus. In the third month, after two months of traveling, from the day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from blah, 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 came to the Sinai wilderness. They camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Moses went up on the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and says, This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. Back to Matthew. Jesus went up on this, the mountain, with his people, his followers, disciples, and he began to teach them. This is what I'm going to say to the people. Already, the writer of Matthew is trying to help us, and, and this is stuff that we miss because we don't live in the first century Jewish culture. We're Americans, we're Christians, and we forgot a lot of our Jewish heritage. You know, we're disconnected from that. And we live, like, we speak English and all that kind of stuff. Matthew was trying to connect the dots here. The same mountain. If, it might not even be the same. But Matthew wants us to think it is. He wants us to connect the two stories. Moses went up on this mountain. And he got to, you know, if you remember the story of Moses, they... they, they do the ten plagues, go through the Red Sea. They come to this mountain. This is before the 40 years in the wilderness. This is before going into the promised land, before Joshua. They're at this mountain. This mountain's covered in smoke, covered in fire, because God shows up and he presents himself in that way. It's smoke and fire. And Moses goes into the smoke. The Israelites freak out because they're like, oh, he died. And eventually we get this golden calf story. Y'all heard about that. Well, before that, Moses goes, goes up there. What does he bring back? Do you all remember? The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments and also like 42 other commandments, if I remember correctly. It's 42 or 52. I can't, maybe 32. I don't know. I forgot. I just remember there's a two in there. Maybe it's 23 or 20, no. It's, it's like 42 others. So, so Moses go up, goes up there. And what was this whole thing? I've, I've talked about this before. This whole experience at the mountain. What is it for between God and, and the people of God? Anybody remember? A covenant. What does covenant mean? A promise. Anybody else? Anybody remember? That's okay if you don't. It's been a long time since I've said it. What does a covenant mean? A covenant, which is the focus of our thing tonight, a new covenant, is a relationship. It is a serious relationship. The whole thing at this Mount Sinai that uh, Moses was at was a wedding ceremony between God and his people. And Moses got to usher in. He got to be the preacher. He got to be the officiant at the wedding pretty much saying, hey, do you take these people to be your people? And do you people take this God to be your God? I do. I do. Yay. Let's have a party. That's pretty much what was going on here. 
Except Moses, it was a lot more of commandments, and this is how the relationship's going to work kind of thing. The Ten Commandments were part of that. And so Matthew is trying to connect the dots here that you remember all that real quick. Like the mountain. Okay, I remember all of that. I remember everything Carson just said and more immediately. That, that, that was the Jewish community back then. They would, it would click. They would get it. So we have, we have to connect the dots in our world, in our culture, because we're a little separate from that. So back in Jesus' day, Jesus went up on the mountain to do what? If Moses was bringing in the covenant between God and people, what else was, what, what was Jesus doing? I'll give you a hint. It's the title of our sermon tonight. Bringing a new covenant. A new covenant. Exactly. So Moses got to bring this, to start this, to initiate this relationship with God and his people. And we did a lot to mess that up. Just like the Garden of Eden, God started this relationship with us and we did a lot to mess it up. Jesus comes up on this mountain and he's going to start teaching. But what he's doing is he's teaching about the new covenant, the new relationship that God wants with his people. This guy, the new Moses, the prophet that they had been waiting for, he, of course, this guy knows exactly how we ought to relate to God, to each other, and 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 even ourselves. So maybe we ought to listen to him. So before we continue to here, who is, um, nope. Go uh, look at the the scripture we just read, Matthew one and two. Who is Jesus talking to? His disciples. When we read this story a lot, we just like, oh, everybody was there. Crowds and crowds and crowds. But it says he talked to his disciples. Now, this doesn't mean just his 12 disciples. This whole crowd could be followers of Jesus. And there could be some people in there that aren't paying attention or, or aren't part of the, the disciple group of Jesus or following Jesus. But what, what the point is, is as a disciple of Jesus, you're going to be the person that gets this. It's not going to make much sense to anybody else because Jesus is talking to his disciples and what he's about to say is going to be very challenging, especially if you're not following Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus. And so he's talking to his disciples here. And so here's the plan. We're going to go through as much of the Sermon on the Mount tonight as we can. It's three chapters worth. Yeah. Oh, you're all like, crap. I better call my parents. I'm going to be here all night. No, that's not how it's going to work. But I want to start, I want to help kind of connect some dots to Moses and the Old Testament for you, um, but then I'm going to turn it over to y'all and let y'all teach. <laughs> You're like, oh crap, that's scarier. Yeah, y'all be fine. So, let's start with the Beatitudes. Open up your book if you want, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Well, tell me if I get it right or wrong, but um, yeah, since you've heard them so many times. So Jesus started, like he decided, that his, his greatest sermon that we know of, he decided to start in this way. And so it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil thing to you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, 
For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is how Jesus chooses to start. What in the world is he saying? What is a beatitude? A beatitude. That's what this is called, the beatitudes. It's an attitude. What you're supposed to act like. So, so pretty much a blessing, exactly. So, so he says over and over, blessed are the, what's a blessing? Like a gift? Yeah, pretty, pretty much if you wanted to super summarize it, which it's helpful, it's saying, hey, these guys will be happy. Happy are those who are, happy are those, that's an easy way of translating it to understand. Is God is saying to these people, to this list of people, the poor in spirit, those who are mourning, those who are humbling or humbled, those who are hunger or, or thirsting for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, happy are those people when, yeah. So it's kind of weird because this is how Jesus chooses to start all of this. Lots of blessings and people being blessed. But in short, it means a couple of things. In short, it's an announcement. An announcement to all of his disciples, hey, something big is happening and I want you to be a part of it. Happy are those who are part of this journey that we're about to take. Blessed are those who are, man, chasing after God best they can. And in turn, chasing after me best they can. Jesus. It's really interesting because he's pretty much saying, look, seek after God and he will seek after you. Are you going to respond to that? Happy are those who, man, have a spirit for God. Happy are those who are mourning because of their walk with God. They've lost or they've been persecuted or they're struggling. Happy are those who who, um, are humble, who've decided to set control aside and they're chasing, letting God control their lives. They're chasing him. Happy are those who are hungry and thirsting for just walking with God. Happy are those who are showing mercy, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers. Man, they're going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he ends saying, look, happy are you when you're persecuted. doesn't make sense. When I am bullied because of my faith, I'm supposed to be happy. He's like, look, be happy because you join a long list of people who've been persecuted for their faith. You're part of the team. You're a saint because of it and this is how the prophets were treated they would teach the word of god and everybody would bully them and ignore them and hurt them you're you're part of this amazing journey now so that's one one part of it but this passage is also talking about something interesting i want to look at a different passage so y'all pay attention bring it in bring it in wake up you know whatever it takes we started connecting some dots between the New and Old Testament. I want to connect some more dots. We just read, blessed are all these things. I forgot to click the button, sorry. Well, look at this. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of, Lord, of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of our Lord, of the the Lord's favor, and the day of our God, God's vengeance, to comfort all of those who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in uh, Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid 
splendid clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord and, and to glorify him. Man, I'm struggling to read. Uh, Isaiah did, yes. In fact, we're actually called trees a lot in Scripture. That's a fun sermon I'll do a different day. Because there's passages in Jeremiah, you know, and it all goes in, in Psalm 1. Um, it says, blessed are those who chase God or something like that, for they will be like trees of... We're, we're supposed to be like trees. Yep. All because, I'll, I'll give you a quick hint, the tree of life in the garden. That's why. And Jesus is also the tree of life, and so we're supposed to be trees of life as well. Different sermon, another time. But the Bible calls us trees a lot, just kind of interesting. But there's a connection here. Did any of y'all see it? The Beatitudes and this. Yeah, those that mourn, those are persecuted, those are hurting, those are captive. Jesus is kind of referencing these things. Here's something else. That Beatitudes passage is also letting people know who he is. Look at this scripture in Isaiah as well. For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, I live in a high holy place with the oppressed and lowly of spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. Jesus is with, with the Beatitudes. He's saying, look, happy are those who follow me, regardless of how hard it may be, because I'm the one to come. I am this guy. Again, he's making all these connections. Connections that we don't see because we're just not in that culture. We don't quite understand it. It takes some study, and that's why I'm here to help y'all. So that's the introduction to his sermon. Then he goes on and he says, look, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made? He starts calling us salt. So we're, no longer, we're not trees anymore. Now we're salt. What does that even mean? Why are we supposed to be salt? What does salt do? Makes people thirsty. That's good. That's I like that. We'll we'll run with that for a second. It makes people thirsty. That's why when we eat salty food, like I just ate a bunch of fries and hamburger and it's salty, I wanted Dr. Pepper more and more. As salt, we're supposed to make this world thirsty for Christ. There you go. That's good. Salt was also, back then, was meant for preservation. We're, we're meant to preserve the goodness of God. We're supposed to live in such a way where God's glory is spread. God's glory is thrown out there. But when we're not doing that, we're not very salty. This is not the modern definition of salty, where you're a, a jerk. Um, no, this is Jesus' definition of salty. Saying, hey, you make people want to be different. Then he also says, hey, you're the light of the world. What, is, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do there? Light shines. Exactly. Light shines. We're supposed to be shining lights. So, so Jesus presents this introduction. He says, look, happy are those who follow me because I'm the Savior. I'm the Lord. Um, I'm the greatest Moses, the greatest prophet. Now, before we get into everything else, remember this is your job. This is the role to be salt and light to the earth. He's like, I want to get that very clear real quick. That this is our job, to be salt and light, not just to Jerusalem or Israel, to the world, to the world. Then, one more thing, and then it's your turn. Starting in Matthew 17, and we won't read all of it, but it says, look, don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. 
I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. What is the law? Anybody remember? The law. What is the law? What is the law? No, no, no. Like, like the, the Old Testament law. Ten Commandments are part of that. So, so the first five books of the Bible tell not just a story, but Moses went up on this mountain. He brought back the law, in a sense. He brought back the rules of relationship. That's what the law is all about. And Jesus, you know, it's, it, it's so, somebody just open Leviticus real quick. Just any place in Le- Leviticus. Any place. Read something. Keep going. Like, just pick another verse. <laughs> so there's a lot of so you found something weird, didn't you? But it's about rules of relationship, and there's some weird stuff in there. Leviticus, I think, is the hardest book in the Bible to read because it's just one law after another, after another, after another. This is how we're going to do sacrifices. This is how atonement works. This is how purity works. This, it's like, oh man. It's like reading a rule book. And that's really the only place in Scripture where it's like a rule book. And I'll explain why in a minute. But, um, so, Jesus is like, look. So, so here, let's, let's do this. Um, what did Jewish people do back then that we don't do now? Sacrifice. Sacrifices. Jesus was saying, look, I didn't come to get rid of sacrifices. So, should we still be doing sacrifices? Who wants to go first? I have a knife. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the right sacrifices. And that's what the law did back then. It showed that there were other people that would sacrifice kids. Yeah, and God's like, no, we don't do that. We can do animals, but we don't do people. We don't sacrifice people. I don't know, somebody. No, I, I don't remember who. Um, but Jesus... Look, 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 listen, listen. Jesus said, look, I didn't come to get rid of that. So should we be doing that? No, we don't have to do that. Should we, uh, 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 Jewish people don't eat pork. What is the most famous pork? Bacon. bacon. Who wants to give up bacon? Shame on you too. <laughs> Bacon's so good. No, no, I'm just kidding. So should we stop? Is that what Jesus is saying? No. What is he saying? He didn't come to abolish it. To fulfill it. He came to share like, hey, that was a God, and I'm here to show you how it's a God and how we need to keep seeking God's wisdom so that we can follow the law or whatever commandments we find in Scripture. So that's kind of what we're going to be doing is you're going to read some Scriptures. You're going to read the old and the new. And then you're going to kind of share maybe your insights or how Jesus fulfilled it in a sense. Or if you have questions, you get to ask questions. So we only have a few minutes. We're not going to get very far tonight. So here's what I'm going to do. You can either get in a group of like two or three or stay by yourself. So do that. Three, two, one, go. All right. Sounds good. Who's y'all in the group? Yep. Something like that. I'll take one. Y'all, y'all want to, y'all want to, y'all want to be friends.
Here you go. This will work. Y'all have to, y'all, yeah, together. You got this. All right, here's the thing. Look at your paper. Go read the scriptures real quick. So, you just looked at, so, so where are we? Divorce. We went up on this mountain. You just looked at divorce. <laughs> Shout it out. Divorce. Jesus went up on the mountain, connecting us back to Moses. Both these guys went up. They're introducing the new relationship with God. He gave an introduction, says, hey, those who follow me, how blessed are they? Um, and you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the world. And I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. And so, who wants to start us off? What do you have? No. Who has murder? Murder? So, so you read uh, at least one of the old ones and one of the new ones, yes. or the new one. So what does Jesus say about murder? Uh, well, Exodus 20.13 is very deep. It says, do not murder. And yeah, it's that short. That's all it says. <laughs> that was one of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Right. Yeah. In So what is Jesus saying about murder now? Murder, don't do it, but don't, don't be rude. Don't be rude. Don't be the one retaliating. So what was the penalty for murder in the Old Testament? Death. Death. What does Jesus say the penalty is for being hateful? Death. Prison. Prison? What is this? Uh, hold on. What about that last word? Hellfire. Jesus is making a connection here. He's saying, look, not only does the law say don't murder, but I'm, here's what I'm saying. Don't be mean. Because that is just as bad. That's just as, like, there, there should be, and there is, a big penalty for just being hateful, for being rude. It's, it's way easier to be nice. It's way easier to be nice. Yeah. Please be nice to me. Um. Jesus is making a connection here. He, he's, he's, how is he fulfilling the law here? He's upholding it. He's not abolishing it. Focus. He's intensifying it. He's saying, hey, to be part of the kingdom of God, to be part of my walk, yes, don't murder, but don't be a jerk either. <laughs> I'm not talking to y'all. Y'all looked up all offended. Yeah. Yeah, don't gossip and hurt somebody. Don't um, intentionally set out to make their day worse. Yeah, exactly. That's good.
more impossible to follow the law. Mm-hmm. You because know, when you get to the divorce one, they go, well, who can, who can, who can, you know, why would you even get married if you yeah. For sure. So, so he's saying, don't be hateful. Why? Why aren't we supposed to tear the people down? Because we're supposed to build them up. Why are we supposed? To, like, why are we supposed to care for people? Because Jesus go all the way back to Genesis chapter one and two. God created us. We're God's creation. How did He create us? In His image. When we are mean, when we tear down other people, not only does God hurt because He cares for people, but He's like, look, you're tearing down the masterpiece I created. We're supposed to look at each other as images of God and to respect each other as such. Let's keep going. Some, who has adultery? I think I know because they shot it. Oh, you do? What did you? S- oh, divorce. 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 That's right. They're connected. Anyway, go for it. What is, what is Jesus' summary on adultery? I mean, you can just say a summary if you want, or you can read it. <coughs> One of y'all said my name, and I don't know who it was. So he says, do not commit adultery, but then what? What does he add to it? Looks at a woman with lust, or looks at anybody with lust. What does the Old Testament say? Don't commit adultery, right? Or something like that? Yeah, well, the punishment for adul- adultery, for cheating, was death. By by yeah, <laughs> by a lot of stones, a lot of rocks. That's true. Jesus, what is he saying? Is just as worthy of death. Just looking at a woman being she's pretty. I don't Lust, which is more than just attraction. It's this idea of, hey, I think you're pretty, um, but you're no longer a person to me. I just want to kiss you with you know whatever or or yeah. When somebody becomes an object in your mind. You know, Jesus said, look, here's the thing about lust. If your eye causes you to sin, rip it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Does it say that? Or is that the next one? There it is. (laughs) All right, stop, stop. What is Jesus trying to tell us here? Should we all be cutting our hands and eyes off? Yes. No. No. Jesus does not condone dismemberment. Um, that is important. But, listen, listen. His point is, look. Yes, adultery is a big problem. It messes up not only your life, but every like it messes up families. It messes up all sorts of people. But lust does too. Lust isn't a private thing. Just because you think somebody's pretty and you really like them and you just want to look them up and down, that's not just a private thought. You're now taking the image of God and tearing it apart. He's like, look, it would be better if you lost an eye or cut off your hand than your whole body go to hell because of lust. 
Again, he's not abolishing the law. He's intensifying it. He's making it like, like uh, Dave or Mike or somebody said earlier, almost impossible now to, to be a doer of the law. Um, let's keep going. Who has divorce? I know who does. Summarize divorce, as Jesus said. That's what Jesus said? Or is that the Old Testament? That's the Old Testament. That's the, that was the Old Testament. The New Testament. Okay, well, it does say this. Look, whoever must give her. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. And then the other one, um, it was like, if he doesn't like her, then he has to give her a certificate. And then if the other guy that she marries dies or he doesn't like her anymore, then, um, then the first man can't marry her again. Yeah, it was real complicated, right? So the Old Testament says a whole lot about divorce when you can and can't, and it just gets very muddy. Like, oh, okay, well, it says I can divorce her if I don't like her. Well, I just want somebody new, so we're divorced. Bye. Bye. And is that right? No. No. Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, it was said, it was said, you can give a piece of paper and you can be divorced. But here's, here's something that's important. Whenever you read this, this is Jesus fulfilling the law. But I tell you, and that's happened in these other passages too, but I tell you, look, everybody that divorces his wife, except in one case, adultery, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So there's this whole image. Now, now it's not a legalistic thing. Like if, if there's a uh, story, you know, we have lots of people that have been divorced and remarried. That's not saying that they're sinners. In fact, I think your testimony you were sharing about that, that doesn't mean we need to go out and stone Michael. The rocks will probably bounce off of him. He's tough. But, no, Jesus is saying, look, yes, there might be cases for divorce, but divorce in every case causes destruction. We ought to not be looking for, hey, how can I get a divorce? What is that line that's been crossed? Like, no, our, our goal should be reconciliation. And we're going to talk more about that in a second. Our goal should be our marriage, bringing it back together. Just to like your relationships, just go down to the dating level. The goal isn't to say, hey, I like you. Let's hang out for a while. Uh, now I just need to find an excuse to break up. Uh, uh, it's not me, it's you. I mean, it's not you, it's me. I don't know, we're breaking up. No, no, that's not the goal. The goal in relationships, all relationships, is to grow and mend them. You get in a fight with a friend. It's going to talk about this in a second. You get in a fight with a friend. It doesn't say, hey, go find a new friend. It says, no, mend to that. In fact, let's keep going because I'm pretty sure that's coming up. Um, let's just go ahead and do the next one. Oaths. Who has oaths? Go for it. What is Jesus' little, you know, or your summary of what Jesus said? I read all the scriptures, but just not the first word. I mean, just um, to sum it up, there's, there's a bolded part of mine. Uh-huh. It says, you must not break your oath, but you must, oh my God, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. That's what was, was said, right? No. Well, then you're reading it later on, which is yes, good, too. Uh-huh. Do well. not swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, 12. Do not swear falsely by my name. 
my name, profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. There you go. So don't swear by God. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, again, you've heard it said that don't break your oath. So, so in the Old Testament, it says you can make promises in short. Now, you're not supposed to swear by God's name. But what does Jesus say? Emily, you can keep going with that when you get back there. Huh? What? Doesn't like Moses, Moses and other people like sw- say like, like, uh, like I swear by God's name or whatever? Or like, surely as my God lives. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Surely as my God lives, I'll <laughs> do something cool or you know, kill a giant or something. So, so in Scripture, out in the Ten Commandments, pretty much don't take God's name in vain. Which is pretty much any way where we take God's name and use it in a context where it lessens his name or his glory. Um, this is, you know, your dad, I remember him preaching a sermon about, uh, you were telling me this story too, not too long ago. Um, a bunch of people were cussing and swearing in, in God's name. And your dad walked out to him and said, hey, I'm the, I'm the chaplain around here. And so I heard you all mentioning God's name. And I just want to let you know, if you want to pray, you can come talk with me. That'd be great. And it, they're like, oh, crap. Uh, yeah, we'll stop. But anyway, that's kind of what I was talking about. A covenant was a big pinky promise. That's what the covenant, it's not just a relationship. It's also a promise. It's an it's a oath. Jesus says, look, you've heard it say, just don't break your oath, whatever. And so people, you know, you've probably heard it in movies. I swear on my mama's grave. Or I swear on my children, or I swear on my life, or to God, or whatever. Jesus' point, it says, look, I tell you, Jesus, don't take an oath at all. What does he say, Emily, near the end? Near the end. Verse 37. 37. But let you yes mean yes, you no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil. Jesus' point here is not, hey, you can't make promises or pinky promises anymore. But people would make promises and then they would find the loophole and say, I didn't break that promise, I just found a way out. And Jesus is like, look, that's not what it's about here. Just be genuine. Just be you know, a person of integrity. Be honest. And when you say yes to somebody, mean it and keep it. When you say no to somebody, mean it and keep it. Jesus, once again, is not just not abolishing the law. He's fulfilling it. He's intensifying it. Let's, keep, let's look at these last ones real quick. Retaliation. Who is that? Go for it. What's the summary okay. of it? Can I read the most basic yep. form first? The most basic form is um, Exodus 5, you have heard it no, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right foot, send the other to him also. As for one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let it happen for you. So, so what do you think Jesus is saying there? 
What's what's the summary? You you had a good answer earlier. So it used to say in the scripture, hey, if somebody punches you in the eye, punch them back. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 38. You've heard it said in the Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But what does Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. What else does he say? He says, look, if somebody wants something from you, man, offer them something else. If anybody forces you to go a mile, go two miles. Again, this is painting a picture. Look, God created people in his image. We're not supposed to just duel it out to fight. That's for youth group. That's dodgeball. You know, that's for later. No, but we ought to be different than the world. We ought to be walking in a way that when, when we're hurt by somebody, whether it's physically or emotionally, we don't initially strike back because Jesus is different. How are you supposed to be the light and the salt if you're just punching everybody back that punches you? Jesus is saying, look, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to intensify it. There's one more. Let's look at the last one. Who is loving one's enemies? Are y'all left? So what did it used to say? What did you're good. So Jesus said, you know, it used to be said, love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But what does Jesus say is the new rules? Yeah, for sure. So I heard this, I think, at the very beginning. Something about, how are you not supposed to be angry at somebody that murders? Or how are you not supposed to be angry? It says, look, love your enemies. It says, hey, you know, we had just had this whole thing about anger earlier that we read. And Jesus is saying, look, you might have this righteous anger, a just anger. You might be really upset if something bad really happened to you or to somebody else. I'm telling you, don't retaliate. Don't, yeah, don't lash out to them in anger. Don't strike them back. Don't get justice yourself. Now, this, he's not talking about the court system here. He's talking about our relationship with people. Yeah, I mean, there's still courts, there's judges. There were in that day, and there is this day. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our relationships with people. All these first ones that we just read, just like, look, you've heard how to relate to people. Here's how I'm telling you how to relate to people. All the ways that we typically relate, there's a lot of ways that might be right and good and all that, but there's still destruction. And so he mentions things like loving your enemies and don't strike back and just let your yes be yes or don't, you know, just don't angry, don't lust, don't just get divorced for no reason because y'all aren't happy. Man, you need to work on it. You need to get you know, run to me together or whatever it takes. You know, scripture also says something about, uh, you know, man, when it comes to dating and marriage, you should date with other Christians. But even if you don't, just because they're not, it doesn't mean divorce. It doesn't mean, 
You know, dating is a little different, but it doesn't mean to immediately break up. Jesus is saying, hey, you're supposed to work on your relationships with people. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. The last verse in this passage is, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, good luck, y'all. Good luck. So just go be perfect. Go back to the beginning of the Beatitudes. He says, look, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up and people are going to mess you up. But blessed are those who follow me because I'm going to be perfect for you. Now, I've given you, uh, did guys, did y'all pass one of those back to Genesis? Yep, that's why I gave it to y'all. Um, we just did this part one part, relating to others. We're out of time, unless you want to stay here for a couple more hours and we can work through the rest of them. Yeah, I have bed to do. I have to go to bed. But, but listen, listen. Jesus went up on, on a mountain, just like Moses did. Um, and he, he went to communicate something. He went to communicate the new relationship that we ought to have with others. This next section, the next chapter pretty much, is how we ought to relate to God. It discusses things like, man, when you go give to others, don't do it like this. Hey, y'all, look what I'm doing. I'm giving to somebody. Or when you go pray, don't say, hey, I learned a lot of big words in English class, and I'm going to pray, and y'all are going to be impressed. Oh, you can't say, you can't speak prayers in Greek, Emily? Ha <laughs> ha, you're not as cool. No, that's not how that works. That'd be cool if I could. I can't anymore. Uh, I did it once. I had to learn the Lord's Prayer. I took Greek in college. I forgot most of it already. So just, pistevo uh, is faith or belief or baptism. I don't remember which one. <laughs> anyway. Fasting. Talks about fasting. Jesus says, hey, when you fast, doesn't say if, but when. That's interesting. He's talking to his disciples, how to fast. He talks about treasures. Your money, what you pay for, what you treasure. He talks about worry. And all the Old Testament connections, which I've given you here on this page, but he says, look, this is the new relationship. You might not be perfect, but I'll be perfect for you. But this is how we're going to walk. This is the relationship I want to have. I want you to be nice to people, to care for people. I want you to run after God personally, not publicly. Like, yeah, you want to do both. But if Braden only ever worships God on this stage, he's missing the point. He's supposed to live a life of worship. He's supposed to worship in, in, in his own house and room or walk or whatever, just like the rest of us. Then the part three says, it talks about judging others. That verse that everybody takes out of context. Don't judge me. Jesus said so. That's not what he's... There's a time for correction and there's a time where you need to help correct somebody else. But Jesus says, hey, before you go try to fix your brother or your sister or your friend or whatever, yeah, there's something, maybe something in your eye that you need to check out. The log and this. Yeah, exactly. Talks about asking things of God. How to ask things of God. And more specifically, how God cares to answer your requests now if it means you know you pray for a lamborghini probably it hasn't happened for me yet so probably won't happen for you if it does can i have it um but he has this whole sermon now we've only done like a third of it 
And he ends in some pretty intense ways. He talks about, hey, look, the path that we're on, it's small, it's narrow. The house that we're in, not many people live in this, this kind of walk, this kind of faith. You must choose to do it, and it's going to be hard. So what are you going to do? What will your response be? Jesus is the new Moses, the prophet that came Christmas time, the baby that came to save us. He brought us this new relationship impossible to follow but he says look all you gotta do is try all you gotta do is just walk with me and we'll be good be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect i'm gonna do that just walk with me that's the relationship and we're gonna care for people we're gonna care for god and be cared for by god that's the new covenant that's the relationship that's the continued covenant we're just gonna intensify it through jesus so how will you respond